Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Joe O'Gorman. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Mike's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me out. Joe is a partner and uh, founder of Old Throttle Indoor Karting up in Sharonville. And before we get started, Joe, I thought I'd tell uh, our listeners about a couple of things that are coming up. Next week on uh, Thursday, that's a special show instead of being on Friday. We're on Thursday. We're going to have uh, Burton Huber, the uh, president of EMS. Uh, at a employee services firm, firm and benefits firm. And then on February 7th, we're going to have Chuck Lurie from Lurie & Associates. Uh, Chuck has reinvented himself, and he is the, he likes to call himself the number one lead guy or energy efficiency guy in, uh, in Cincinnati. And what we might even talk about his house. He lives in one of the uh, Frank Lloyd White House homes here in Cincinnati. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we have a lot of interesting Sandler training programs uh, coming up. Uh, for those of you who are interested, the next cold call camp comes up uh, March 26th, public cold call camp. And if anyone is interested in uh, our training calendar, you'll find it on rothconsulting.net. Okay. Let me tell everyone a little bit more about you, Joe. You're a Xavier graduate uh, with a BS in communications. Um, Usually people uh, with a degree in communications go into something like advertising or PR. Uh, you started with NCR and sales. That's correct. I uh, thought it was a little different departure from the uh, world broadcasting. Okay. And uh, what did you actually sell for NCR? I sold point of sale systems to large and mid-range grocery stores. Okay. That's cool. Uh, many years ago, I started in sales with Burroughs. Started their accounting systems. Burroughs never had a good cash register. They had an electric cash register with a crank back on. Got that contingency plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Most people gave, gave up crank backups many years ago. Uh, Joe, you, you moved into the IT world, uh, worked at a number of companies before you landed at Cintas. Spent 16 years at Cintas in various management and technical positions. Uh, you deployed the first Cintas.com website. That must have been very interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, we did a, the, the, the big graphic was buttons and buttonholes to show that you were either open or closed on a site. And the executive management got really excited about the graphic of having the, when you're on a page, you have the open button and then it was closed when you're off a page. They thought that was a, a great creative piece. Um, and you think that how, how things have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You're very few would get pretty excited about that today. Okay. So uh, are you wearing a Cintas shirt today? Actually, I'm not. Okay. Uh, you, you uh, launched that first intrust, intranet site as well. Uh, you, you ran their uh, their IT and their uh, email platforms. So I had my hand in lots of different communication. Uh, 
And uh, you're also involved in the acquisition and integration of various companies for Syntas. So uh, the last 16 years, what was it that made you decide to actually leave? Well, there was a there was a dream that was out there on the horizon, Mike. It was a dream of being self-employed, being out in the world of small business. I've been to a couple of different chamber events, and you really get a, a sense of the energy that's involved in small business. And um, one of my life mottos is no regrets. So uh, to, to look at, as I was approaching my 50th birthday, to be able to say, wait a minute, I've always wanted to do this, I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. There's a regret that's forming there that I need to make sure that I address making that move. It wasn't a move against him, also. It was really, really a need to chase the dream. Okay. It was a move for Joe. I see here that you were a lifelong racing enthusiast and a member of multiple car clubs. Which car clubs were you a member of? Actually, I've been a long-time member of the Cincinnati Miata Club mm-hmm. and um, just stepped down my position. The last two years, I've been on the board of directors for the Sports Car Club of America here locally. Uh, SECA is the largest amateur sports organization in the country, about 40,000 members strong. Here in Cincinnati, we've got about 400 members and many of them active in various types of motorsports. So I spent a little bit of time there, but I've been involved with the SECA for the past eight years. Okay, pretty good. I'll move back a few more years than that. I participated in a couple of other events when they invited the Mercedes Benz Club out and uh, a couple of my Mercedes Benz through the paces. Uh, so you started the business in 2011 after planning it for two years with a partner. Uh, when did you get your partner? Actually, as a friend from Sendos, the uh, lunchtime conversation started to, we talked about racing, we talked about our, our love of racing, we both talked about what it is that we wanted to do differently, and uh, found very quickly that we had the same dream, mm-hmm. and we wanted to do our own business. Okay. Uh, is your partner active in the business? He is actually, he does the operations, and if you look at the division of our two, uh, our people, our roles, we have, uh, I'm really outside of the building, he's inside the building. So he handles all of the day-to-day operations of the track. He handles all the hiring. I handle the sales and marketing. We deal with legal, landlords, anything that's outside of the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly when did full throttle uh, into a car game open? We opened September 2011, Liberty weekend. Uh, the, the week before was a crazy week with uh, trying to get everything all lined up and make sure we had our uh, probably the biggest project either of us have ever tackled. All buttoned down. So uh, as of Thursday morning, prior to our opening on Saturday, we were unsure if we were going to be able to open. Uh, our ventilation system wasn't working quite the way expected. We expected it to. The engineering company actually stepped up, brought in some additional resources, solved the problem, and made the decision Thursday night to open on Saturday morning. So that's good. I, I've been in your track area. You do have an extremely well ventilated indoor track for gasoline powered vehicles. We're actually um, very proud of our progress and what we're doing. As far as I know, we're the first track in the U.S. that will have uh, carb-certified ultra-low emissions vehicles. Uh, the technology that we've put on and the tuning that we've done on the go-karts have actually uh, aggressively gone after the emissions of the car, not only keeping the air clean with the ventilation system that's there. Mm-hmm. But we've, uh, we've generated about a 70% reduction in carbon monoxide output through uh, the use of catalytic converters and rekindling for the go-karts. Each one of you go thought that the catalytic converter on. Absolutely. Yeah, work through. Um, they started out with a very small catalytic converter that came from Honda. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a little bit of math and a little bit of study to realize what they had done uh, really wasn't scratching the surface of the potential. So we decided to go very aggressively after those uh, carbon monoxide and other gases that are generated from the internal combustion engine. Joe has been married for 26 years. Has Two children, sons, and uh, one son works with Peter as a manager of the track. 
the other is studying business at uh, Ohio State. Uh, what is your, your son who's in the business do? He actually does a number of things. He's on the operations side. He thought it would be easier um, if he reported to Aaron as opposed to reporting to me so we can keep the dinner conversation uh, family focused. But he also does have an affinity for process development. He does a lot with them. He does all the training materials for our staff. Mm-hmm. And he is, a, as an amateur racer himself, he's very good with building custom formats for both groups and also for the and special event type race. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about uh, yourself and the company? Well, about myself, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a dream chaser, so I'm very happy to uh, say that we're now coming into year three and doing very well. Um, really a strong uh, love of family and a love of people. There's a, uh, a strong sense of uh, tremendous satisfaction that I get when you have some smile. You make someone's day, and we're finding that uh, we see that not only just when folks walking through the door, but also uh, we, get, we do get the occasional turn, uh, time to serve someone who may have some special needs, and when you touch those families, it really is quite satisfying. You're almost at the end of the day with a very good feeling knowing that you've helped some folks out and had a chance to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you decide to locate your track in Sharonville? Yeah, that's a great question. We actually uh, we're, we're actually right over the Sharonville line in the city of Springfield, but we're, we can see Sharonville from where we are. The line is um, one block over. The, the key for us was we had really some criteria that we built. One was we needed to be no more than three turns and at least one interstate uh, exit ramp. We needed to have one looking at a landmark business that's nearby, and we wanted to try to find a property that was going to be affordable but still be in retail space. We probably looked at 45 different locations around Greater Cincinnati before we settled in Springfield. Yeah, so I guess saying that you're next to Dave and Buster's is a, a good thing. If we can catch the Dave and Buster's crowd, and we can also say we're behind Costco. There's only two Costco's here in Cincinnati, so people generally know we're one of those two hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even I do. Uh, the uh, well, Joe has agreed to take questions from the audience. So if anyone's got any question for Joe, you can call in on 646-595-4916. You can only screen those calls during the commercial break, which will be coming up in a couple of minutes. So again, call in on 646-595-4916. Joe, uh, did you model your business on other indoor karting tracks in the area, or did you Invented yourself. We actually took uh, components of what we liked from visiting other tracks, Mike, and then we, t- we sort of melded that into what we think is the right approach from a customer service standpoint. We really uh, preach very much that the customer comes first, and that's really an element of our training. But we did do a lot of visits to a lot of tracks. Uh, we've actually had the opportunity to, to travel to Germany as well and spend some time in the track in Germany, mm-hmm. where this sport really grew up, uh, Germany and the Netherlands. That's where it's uh, really started, and we spent a lot of time studying what we liked from a, as a customer and what we disliked as a customer, and then we built processes that we can lay out uh, from, a, from a safety standpoint and from a state regulation standpoint. Ohio's uh, actually very tough to get certified to run a go-go track. Uh, there's a lot of regulations. There's a whole chapter in the amusement ride handbook that's specific to go-kart operations, so we factored all of those things in and came up with what I think is uh, the right solution for safety, fun, and also managing a 
against uh, the regulations that are put forth by the state. Mm -hmm. So how long is the track? The track's about a quarter mile long, a little under if you're on the fast line. If you're on the slower line, you may get a little more than a quarter mile. So uh, the fast line is just a, just a few feet under a quarter mile. The track's 14 turns, and currently we only run it one direction. We run it in a, uh, in a counterclockwise direction. We are studying the potential of actually making a couple of track changes from a safety standpoint, so we can run it both clockwise and counterclockwise. But again, our, our first element that we have to focus on is safety and the direction of travel and the speed that you're traveling. If you're running the other direction, uh, would be a problem today. So we need to solve that. Well, people be going too fast. People going too fast for the turn they would be facing. And as you know, you're enthusiastic mm -hmm. yourself. Yes. There's, uh, there are times where uh, the, uh, the loose nut behind the wheel, maybe, uh, when they take over, things don't always go as planned. So we really try to make sure that we build the track for the lowest common denominator of driver, which is, uh, in many cases, a distracted driver. So mm -hmm. uh, the track is very fast. The track is very technical. But it can be driven really safely by anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, did I hear that you're going to expand uh, your facility? We actually have underway um, some office space that's being added. We're added uh, four additional offices. We realized that we ended up with a bigger staff than the original plan. We've got people stacked on top of each other. Uh, as you know, for what you do, you get uh, people working in a distracted environment. Three people sharing a 10 by 10 office is too many people in an office to be effective. So we've added some more um, finished space for our offices, and we'll be opening a conference room here shortly. It's larger than the two that we have, so we can accommodate larger groups away from the trap. Good. We're going to uh, take a short commercial break, and uh, we're going to hear from our friend uh, Jimmy Box. He's going to talk about the Tip Club which meets uh, once a month here in Cincinnati uh, at uh, our training facility here at 4357 Ferguson Drive in Eastgate. And uh, Jimmy, why don't you take it away? Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business -business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business -business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event.
Why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about how you go to market? So we're taking a multi-pronged approach from a sales and marketing standpoint. Like we do a lot of various advertising. I'm a big believer in the, the fact that uh, the adage that you need to hear something seven times before it sinks in. So we've done uh, radio, we've done television, we do some in print, and we do a tremendous amount of guerrilla marketing. We go out and actually, when there's groups of folks gathered together for whatever reason, we'll be there. For example, this weekend, we're at the Travel Sports and Boat Show in the travel section. So we have a lot of folks that are looking for things to do. And interestingly enough, we're the only Cincinnati attraction that's there, and we're going through, literally, we're talking to thousands of people. Um, that's, and that's a great way to get your story out. They feel the passion. Mm-hmm. They feel what we do. They can tell we're excited about it. We take a go-kart with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that when they see it, they, they want to come out. They want to try it. So we yeah. actually let people sit in it there. Yeah. We do. And we've designed our internal, our, our show space, mm-hmm. that it actually, when you take the people take a lot of photos of their kids or you know, they want to get in and try it, they want to see what it feels like. And we've done a backdrop behind that actually looks like they're in a race. Mm-hmm. So there's carts that are scaled to the, the scale of what they're sitting in behind them. So it looks like they're actually leading the race. When you take a picture, our floor is a checkerboard pattern. Right. So it looks like the person in the cart is finishing the race, crossing the line first with a group of carts behind them. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty effective way to get uh, we have a lot of Facebook traffic. People mm-hmm. tag us in Facebook. And uh, those photos are making it up online. So it's a, a great way to get a little recognition to say, Hey, there is an indoor track here in Cincinnati, and it's different than what you may have experienced before from uh, a little putt-putt or the golf and games type of thing where the carts, as we call them, are slow carts, whereas uh, you get a real racing experience at full problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people actually go through the track on a, a busy weekend? You know, on a weekend, I don't necessarily, I don't measure, measure it on a week-by-week basis. But if you look at over the history of a year, mm-hmm. uh, we served um, just under 100,000 people. Um, some of those were repeat customers. When you look at the number of heads and helmets that we did, uh, there was just under 100,000 folks that were served throughout the year. And um, of those folks that are coming through, um, we've been really, really uh, very happy with the results. We're seeing a lot of great online reviews. People have a good time. Mm-hmm. They enjoy themselves, and they're they're telling their friends about it via reviews. And so we, we do a lot of very interactive with Facebook. But um, we see a, a large number of folks coming through. Uh, and you see Saturdays are busy days, you might imagine. Sure. Um, and then also in the wintertime, we do see a lot of folks come through. We do keep the track. Mm-hmm. So we do uh, let customers know that it will be um, shouldn't be any colder than about 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. Once you start racing, as you know, it'll be coming down the track. Like if you uh, turn a couple laps, you'll start to get warm. Yeah, yeah pretty fast. fast. By the end of the race, you're thinking, "Well, I'm really glad that I don't have a winter coat on and sweating." So that's how we've um, we've kind of worked through that and made sure that the customer experience again the building is heated, even though we're doing about six air changes an hour at capacity when the ventilation is working. Uh, we're still heating that air so the customer is comfortable with the race. Uh, do you have to have a driver's license to race on your track? No, we don't. The only thing we would ever use a driver's license for is proof of identification if we have some reason to believe that you're not safe. Mm-hmm. For example, if you register as Charlie Chaplin, we're probably going to check just to make sure that you really are named Charles Chaplin as opposed to something else. Uh, every racer does uh, is required to register in our system, mm-hmm. and a part of that registration also includes an electronic waiver. They sign to accept responsibility for their own behavior on the track. Mm-hmm. How about uh, children? How, how young can a child race on track? We start racing at age eight. Mm-hmm. We run two different styles of go karts. We have a, a youth cart, which is uh, from ages eight to fifteen. It's a smaller frame, smaller mm-hmm. motor, uh, 
still quite a bit faster than what most kids will have driven in their lives. And um, we also then offer an adult car that starts at age 16. And 16, not too, uh, we don't have any upper age limit, but our latest race of the day was 94 years old. You got a 94-year-old person to go out and track. That's good. We had uh, a group come up from a local retirement home that um, really pushes an active lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And there's six folks racing. The youngest on the track was 84. The oldest on the track was 94. And I would say the emotional age and joy that these folks had was probably about 10. They were they had more fun than um, and more fun than you can imagine at that age. And it was a really cool inspiration to watch our employees, who are mostly high school and college kids, and mm-hmm. thinking about their grandparents and saying, how cool would it be if their grandmother and grandma would come out and actually raise the us? That's that's cool. That's cool. Uh, here at on the training, uh, the oldest person that ever signed up was 81 years of age. A retired physician decided he wanted to go into the sales business and discovered that selling was nothing like being an allergist. Right. And we, we taught him how to sell. Uh, do you have any unique marketing advantages there at Full Throttle? You know, I think one of the things that sets us apart is, and I mentioned it when we do our, our outside marketing campaigns where we're actually reaching a lot of folks, part of it is a feel of passion because we are amateur racers first. Mm-hmm. That's, that's been our hobby. And when you encounter someone that's been able to take their hobby and make it their job, if they can do that successfully and still keep the energy up, that, that comes through, I think, um, very loud and clear to anyone that's interactive. Just so the fact that we actually promote and hire a lot of folks that are in grassroots motorsports, mm-hmm. that um, that shows to the customer. They can see when we're asking about their lap times, we genuinely care how fast they work. We're genuinely interested in getting them faster and maximizing the experience. We do a, a wall of fame that we push uh, when folks turn a 29-second or better lap. They're actually you know, they can sign the wall. And we're about to release, uh, as I mentioned on my way here, we just signed the Roses on as a uh, sponsor. And we're going to be doing a, um, a promotion where kids that turn a 34-7 or better, if you think about the Roses phone number, mm-hmm. um, 34-7 or better lap on the track. They actually earn a free personal pizza for the Roses. So that's a, a great benefit for not only the folks of the Roses, because we'll be driving some traffic over their way, but also for those kids that have demonstrated that they are quick. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, why don't you tell uh, our listeners briefly about some of the other uh, racing diversions you have at the track, other than actually getting into a car? Well, we are all about the race. We uh, learn very early on that life is not like the uh, youth soccer tournament where everybody gets a trophy. We want folks to win. So we do. Uh, we, we have we're about to install our fourth version of a soccer race, and people that were uh, growing up in the 60s and 70s certainly remember. Uh, soccer racing from the days it was very popular. We've got three tracks now, starting with our basic figure eight. That's a great beginner track. And we move up to our Monza track, which is a 14-turn road course. We just installed a professional-level wood track, so there's no magnet um, capability at all. It's the, that's the upper level. And then we're working on a digital track, which allows you to run up to six cars on a two-lane track. So we're trying to bring uh, a little more of a different racing experience uh, in Besides the go-karts, it's mm-hmm. a great complimentary business, and we've partnered with Fastlane um, Flockars. They actually run their hobby shop right out of our lobby, so a full service. We have tracks that people wouldn't put in their basement because it'd be, it's really cost-prohibitive to build a large track mm-hmm. in your basement. But we do also sell the cars and the parts that are uh, available to run on the track. So we have a full support for Flockar racing. Uh, in addition to that, we actually do a lot of sponsorship 
whether it be series or whether it be individual drivers. Last year we had 12 drivers that were with some degree of full throttle sponsorship. Seven of those drivers put their go-kart, their car, or whatever they were racing um, in a podium finish. So we had top three, seven of the 10 drivers were um, top three finishers in their particular series. We had the national champion for the Sports Car Club of America, and we actually had uh, the NASA, the National Auto Sports Association, their driver of the year was one of our employees who also uh, one of our sponsor driver. That wasn't bad, was it? No, uh, Brian Kessler is his yeah. uh, You know, I especially love when we had the Mercedes group out there. You had a platform for a photograph of one place and show at three different height levels. I thought that was just a, a great touch. Yeah, we uh, we try to make that podium finish. And again, we do the, we, we really say it's racing like you've never experienced before is our tagline. And that, um, that podium finish really um, solidifies it with a lot of folks. We do birthday party packages, and to watch the kids, we do a bronze, silver, and gold medal award at the end of a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And to watch those kids actually, when the, when the winner climbs up on the podium, and you think you want to pass around a quart of milk like they would do in England, so everyone would get there. Well, you'd need a special area for the spilled milk. And we, we try to keep the champagne splash out of there, too. It doesn't really mix well with our message. So. Right, right. Not with a safety first message. Again, if you uh, want to uh, ask Joe a question, the number is 646-595-4916. We'll uh, be able to handle the calls during the commercial break. So, Joe, do you have any salespeople there at uh, Full Throttle? Actually, I have a full-time salesperson who focuses purely on group and corporate events. Uh, her entire function is to try to fill the track. Um, with groups come out looking for a, a good time. Mm-hmm. She'll actually um, we do a, a full turnkey solution. So our view of the host is once you've connected, tell us what you want. You can kick back and enjoy yourself. We'll handle everything else for you. So we handle catering. We handle room setup. We handle room teardown. There's nothing that the host has to do. Um, once they've uh, signed, uh, signed up with us, we actually take care of everything for them. Uh, hire a young lady has got uh, about eight years' experience in the catering business here locally, mm-hmm. and she's been doing a dynamite job with uh, going out and really making sure that when folks are looking for something you need to do, uh, we can get it taken care of. I also do have a full-time marketing manager, and I've put the marketing manager, um, really split the responsibilities. The marketing manager is responsible for getting the general public in the door, so he owns our advertising, he owns our online, um, any of the, anything we're doing with Facebook, anything we're doing with LinkedIn. He owns all of those processes. He's got an advertising budget, and he will do some selling, but generally is selling. As an example, today he's at the boat show. He is uh, he is the feet on the street today. So, mm-hmm. and then I I, spend, I do uh, both of those capacities in addition to the folks. Uh, both of those folks are degreed individuals with, uh, and that is the focus: marketing manager and the others. Uh, actually, hospitality sales is her is her background and degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if someone wanted a catered lunch. Uh, after a group race. How do you handle that? We, we give them options. We've partnered with four or five different um, providers, food providers, mm-hmm. so we can give them everything from a, you know, a lower cost all the way up to an extravagant meal. They can choose the type of menu that they want. And we've got them priced accordingly uh, based on what they want and also we try to keep the budget in mind. So you can plan on feeding. Um, you could go down as, as much as 3 or $4 a person all the way up to about 18 or $20 a person for the meal. So we have those delivered. We do have rooms that they're set up in. We have chicken dishes and everything there, so we keep the food hot. Um, we use a, a linen service to bring in tablecloths and make sure that it's a, a nice environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all rolled into the group events that we 
largest size group that you've ever had in track. Largest group was actually um, an affiliation with BMW. BMW did the uh, 3 Series launch mm -hmm. um, when, they, when they rolled out the new 2012 3 Series and we had about 185 guests in the building. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, four or five hours of racing that was all BMW customers, mm -hmm. uh, BMW prospects. Uh, they brought a dozen cars to the to our parking lot, you know, they bought that. Actually, not on track. The track. Uh, and we had opportunities. Customers could actually take test drives mm -hmm. and uh, hung out with uh, all the folks on there from BMW. And it was a really great time. Yeah. Sounds like it was a great idea. We're going to take a uh, short commercial break here, and we're going to uh, listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. This is a message for professional salespeople. It's an unusual message. I'm going to tell you that our product is expensive and difficult. It takes effort to use, and it's not for everyone. We provide difficult but effective sales training. It's the kind of training familiar to champion athletes. It builds winners in the world of business. We don't promise quick fixes or color brochures, only hard work that will teach you how to sell effectively even when your price is higher. If you're tired of hearing, I want to think it over. If you're finally ready to invest in yourself and your sales career and learn how to close more business faster, call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, and we'll invite you to our next Lunch and Learn Sales Discovery Workshop on February 5th at either 8 a.m. or 1 p.m., 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Joe O'Gorman. Uh, Joe, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you uh, after the show? Certainly. The best way to reach us actually is via our website, uh, CincyCarding.com, and that's Cincy with a Y, Carding with a K. We um, did our first pass at a domain name and realized that full throttle into a carding was just too long for people to type. So we went to Cincy Carding. You can find out full contact information for both our sales marketing, if you want to get a hold of myself or my business partner, Aaron. All of our contact information is there on the website. I want to make sure that uh, folks know how to find us if they need to. Good. You guys use uh, search engine optimization and keyword searches. We actually do, Facebook. and that is one of our. That's actually one of our key initiatives for 2014. Is a focus on we work uh, on organic growth, mm -hmm. web traffic, and right now we're working on a, a finding a partner to do some search engine optimization beyond what we have the ability to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's always a challenge. It's always a challenge. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, good people on uh, Ken Saunders from. Uh, Search engine experts group is all of your earlier shows. Uh, what do you think the opportunities and possibilities are for your business in 2014, 2015? We have a couple of key 
things that we're working on uh, as we as we've been open, you know, as we got open now and we're in our third year, we're starting to shift our focus a little bit from heavy saturation of brand to a more specific message. So we're targeting right now growth in the corporate space is, is one of our big goals. And we have just started, you know, we've actually got our pro forma done. We're actually um, right on the cusp of uh, trying to get funding for a second location. We've got four or five cities outside of Cincinnati in mind, and we'd like to be able to do an expansion and uh, bring the full model operation to other cities across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that going to be a franchise or a company-owned store for expansion? plan is company-owned store, mm-hmm. uh, and we have some folks that we're in discussion with on a licensing agreement where we would license our processes, license all of our logo use, um, intellectual property, those kind of things, and allow them to use those for a fee in conversations with our attorneys. They said in this particular industry, a franchise may not be something we want to tackle at this point, just because of the amount of legal or the legislative things that go with it. That may be something we look at down the road for our plan right now is corporately you know, That's a good plan. That's a good plan. Uh, how do you stack up against the competition and make you know the ones I'm talking about one seventy five? Oh different experience. Um, they are a family entertainment center mm-hmm. and they have a wide variety of activities. We are focused purely on the racing. If you look at the type of go karts that they're running, they're running an electric cart, kind of a sewing machine. Um, versus an internal combustion. So the racing experience, the track, our track is quite a bit larger. The carts are faster. We've actually been told by the go-kart manufacturers that we run the fastest indoor track in North America. So when you stack it up, depending on what you're looking for, uh, you'll, you'll want to go our way if you're looking for that racing experience. Again, we are focused purely on racing as opposed to miniature golf and climbing walls and all the other entertainment things that you're, you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Are there any obstacles that you see to grow? I think the, the challenge that we have, and it, this challenge becomes easier, is at a startup, we had trouble finding a landlord that was willing to turn us loose with a go-kart track in their building. There was mm-hmm. uh, preconceived notions. I think we've overcome those preconceived notions in terms of what the building can look like, the cleanliness of the facility, and the way we actually take care of the building as if it were our own. That obstacle still exists, but I think with, like, with history, we now can, we can approach a landlord with uh, a resume as opposed to a dream. Mm-hmm. A resume, or as opposed to a recipe, well, this will really taste good, trust me, as opposed to, well, now see what we've been able to do with it. How do you, how do you, how do you keep the, the place clean? Because the tire bus put down a lot of uh, rubber dust. We do, a, we do a daily track sweeping, mm-hmm. and then we do um, a monthly maintenance um, on the facility itself. So during that monthly maintenance window, uh, we have third party come in and clean carpets. We have uh, restrooms clean. We have those kind of things, but the, uh, the tire dust certainly a very real problem that we deal with. And we uh, we have an industrial sweeper that we sweep the track every morning, and in some cases we sweep the track twice a day just to keep all the tire dust and those kind of things done. We also have, and our track guys love this particular part of their job. Monday through Friday, we have a section of the track that they wipe down with uh, with rags, and they'll have a mop bucket and just they'll actually wipe all the dust off the tires to keep them nice and fresh. And we rotate every Monday through Friday in the morning when they come in to actually do a tire cleaning and they'll take a... Once a week, you have your people vacuum and clean the tires of cars? They, or they no, no, clean the tires on the track. The track is made of retired NASCAR tires mm-hmm. and that dust does settle. So part of the thing we do in addition to sweeping the concrete, we also clean the, the, the tops of the tires and inside the tires so to keep that dust 
uh, collecting, you know, if it, as it gets through on people's shoes and those kind of things, it can ruin carpet. So we try to really keep that um, in in very tight control, and that's a daily process. Mm -hmm. So how how long do fires usually last on a car when you track? We get about five weeks out of the out of the set of tires. So we do buy them by the skid, and uh, the tires are thankfully not as expensive as car tires. But we do buy them by the skid, and we get about five weeks of use out of the set of tires. Mm -hmm. We do run a racing slip. We're running a compound that's not too soft, so they wear too fast and not too quickly. But they also um, they do provide a, a tremendous amount of grip. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember, yes. Do you have a long-term strategic plan? We've broken it into a three-year, five-year, ten-year. And in the 10 year span, our, our intent would be to have six to eight locations open. Mm -hmm. And what we're working on now is building with our current sales marketing and uh, the, the management staff to be able to replicate those folks and have those folks run some of those functions remotely from Cincinnati. Uh, the human resources function would be very easy to do. The track management we have through the use of uh, very good technology, we can keep an eye on the sky, mm -hmm. see what's going on in the track, and right. we have remote access. We could actually today run our facility off of an iPhone. We, the technology has developed that far that we can actually run the facility if we chose to from an iPhone. Well, I guess I don't understand what you mean by run the facility. So I'm saying we could use the iPhone for all point of sale functions, for all scheduling functions. We can, we can actually, we've got it down to the software manufacturer and we've been working with them. So we have complete portability and mobility with the thought of running remote locations. Mm -hmm. We would obviously have a local management staff in place, right? but they would be still under the, the, the guidance and direction and, in some cases, the direct touch of the management structure in Cincinnati. That's interesting. Uh, what do you think people are, or what are people telling you that they're looking for next at the uh, whole drive? The regular customers are hungry for a little bit of a change in terms of track design. Mm -hmm. That's where I alluded to the ability to be able to run that track both counterclockwise and clockwise. Mm -hmm. Again, we have to put that safety element there first. And I think we've figured out what we need to do that won't affect the overall lap times, but will change the way the track drives. And I think what we'll see is what are we going to plan to do? By running the track backwards. Yes, by running it backwards, you say it's too there's, fast. There's three turns, three turns today that in a forward motion you approach slow. Mm -hmm. So when you're going counterclockwise, you come at those and you're still accelerating. Mm -hmm. When you flip it, you've actually come at them full speed off the straightaway. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is we need to essentially simplify that sequence of three turns to make it one continuous turn. Uh, it would mirror uh, another fast turn on the track when we have very few problems because the track is wide and it gives people places to go if they get themselves in, into trouble. And you, you need to give the customers a large enough margin of error in driving mm -hmm. and they don't run into things if they make a mistake. Right, right. And, and when people race at your track, they're wearing uh, shoulder harnesses and helmets? We actually do helmets, neck collars, and a shoulder harness. The neck collar is really designed to uh, reduce the impact of the helmet moving forward if you are to hit something. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it really minimizes your likelihood of any kind of neck strain, a neck injury. Which is that collar uh, fastened to the car? It's actually fastened to the driver. The driver wears it, but it prevents the, the helmet from traveling more than about two inches. Mm -hmm. So it has the same effect as uh, in the pro racing, you know, it's a Hans device. It's doing the same type of thing, but it's designed for lower impact. It's a, a far less... Um, it's not nearly as engineered as a Hans device, nor nearly as expensive. 
Now we have multiple sizes. Every rider is required to wear that protection. And the big thing there is if they do hit something, it does give them the, uh, the protection of the helmet not traveling forward hitting their chin to their chest. It actually stops that motion. Mm -hmm. What's the demographic of your best prospects? Our, our walking customers um, come in two flavors. Generally, we see males, mm -hmm. uh, 18 to 45, maybe 50, mm -hmm. and we also see families. The family um, demographic is one that we're growing. I was actually just pulling some statistics. We do uh, sponsorship packages in the track where we, uh, we actually do advertising for folks. One of the things that I do is I, I produce a report back to each of those companies every year to say how many people came through the door, what were the touches of their brand. And when you look at um, where we're, we're seeing some growth, we're seeing a lot of growth in the youth racing and in families coming in. The, the other side of that is what I'm, when you look at a, a group demographic, which is served completely different than the general public. We are really, um, we're just trying to grow that space through the experience. So there's not a particular demographic other than companies that like to have some fun. They like their folks to uh, come out and, and get a little release. One of our favorite types of folks when you get salespeople coming out, uh, I know they're near and dear to your heart, Mike, when yeah, you get yeah. uh, groups of salespeople come out, they're extremely competitive, mm -hmm. and it makes for a fun day. You get uh, folks that are really engaged, they're watching the score sheet, trying to figure out how they can beat their, their peers. So rather than a, uh, a sales quota, we give them a timing quota, and they have to be fast enough to uh, earn this top. And as you mentioned, the podium finish, mm -hmm. uh, when you get sales groups in there especially, putting the, the top dog, the winner, up on that first place on the podium, uh, there's a lot of energy in the room. It's, uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Do you have rules uh, about not hitting other cars? We do. We actually, and those are rules that we enforce pretty uh, pretty sternly because you will see some racing contact, but if you see um, intentional contact, mm -hmm. that, in, that intentional contact can lead to injury, so we really try to, uh, to mitigate that. We do it a couple of different ways. We start on the very friendly side using flags. If you happen to be that slower driver, we'll show you a blue flag with an orange stripe on it that just says, hey, there's somebody faster behind you. Heads up, they're coming. Right. Um, they should give them room to pass. If they don't heed the blue flag after a, a couple of uh, being shown in a couple of corners, they will actually be then drawn into uh, fit lane with a black flag. Mm -hmm. They'll have a little consultation to say, okay, when you're shown that, you need to move over. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, if you're driving aggressively, we'll bring you in and say you need to stop pushing with your front bumper or whatever. Um, we also have the ability to slow down or shut down all carts. We've had a few instances, uh, unfortunately, where folks come in and haven't used good judgment. Mm -hmm. And that judgment then, a lack of judgment then, turns into uh, what we see as unsafe situations on the track. When we see those type of situations, we can actually stop the race mid-race if we need to. We deal with the offending folks up into ejection, which we've done probably had two or three dozen folks that have been ejected from the track. And we've been said, based on their spirit of competitiveness, they've kind of missed the point. Maybe they should look for the racing fix someplace else. We hate to send that message to folks, but when you're balancing the safety for, that other, balance, for safety. the other folks that have been through, uh, it's, it's far better to have that message go out than a message of it's free-for-all in here and have, especially that family demographic, to have um, folks be, be put in danger because you have somebody making important decisions. Good. We're going to uh, listen to Sandler Rule number uh, 38. Uh, and again, if you have any questions for Joe, you can call on a, call in on 646-595-4916. I'm Al Strauss. 
with Sandler Training. Talk to you about rule number 38. The problem the prospect brings you is never the real problem. When people have heard this rule and thought about it a bit, if they've been in sales for more than a few months, they almost always say, well, that's obvious. I've had lots and lots of prospects that told me what they wanted, I showed them what they wanted, and they didn't buy it. So it seems that it would be obvious. The problem is, most folks don't understand it, and you get in the middle of the conversation, and here's a prospect who's interested in something, you've got the something, and you just show up. And what you really need to learn how to do is ask a bunch more questions. Because frankly, in most cases, the prospect doesn't even understand what the real problem is. And so if you ask three or four more questions about what they claim they need or are looking for or want, you're going to discover that it morphs, it changes, sometimes dramatically. What they end up needing is perhaps even diametrically opposed to what they originally said they were looking for. So ask the questions, don't take the first thing they give you, dive down into the real issues, and you're going to have yourself a much better day selling to this prospect. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Joel Gorman. Uh, Joel, perhaps you could give our listeners a leadership tip or two, something that you've learned by running your own business. So I got a couple, but one comes to mind, I think, uh, probably more than anything, and that is uh, as you're dealing with folks, regardless of what their role position is, if you treat them as if their job is the most important, their experience is the most important, it's amazing to me how far people will go for you. They will bend over backwards if they feel like they're empowered. Uh, as an example, I was just in the Cincinnati Convention Center this past weekend, and I struck up a, a conversation with a number of the folks in housekeeping, um, asking them how they're doing, asking just a joke, uh, how, many, how many miles a day do you walk? You engage them in conversation, and it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, I always get a friendly smile from those mm -hmm. folks. They, they come out of their way. They ask if I need anything. They, they really work extra hard to, um, to respond when you've treated them with a level of respect that says what they're doing is the most important thing at this moment. Well, that's good. That's good. And uh, we have a theory of operation of business here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Uh, perhaps, Joe, you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you encountered at uh, Full Throttle and the equally complex solution that you came up with that from a theory of operation that complex solution could work in another business. You know, I, I have to laugh because I talked very briefly, Mike, earlier in the segment about when we opened up and the decision to open or not open on that Thursday before Labor Day, what was really the catalyst that drove that was we had a ventilation system that wasn't working as designed. So mm -hmm. it was designed and specified that it should move six air changes an hour. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of science going into these kind of uh, calculations, and the engineers are looking at me saying this thing's doing exactly what it should be doing, and they couldn't figure out why the, the, event, the building wasn't bending. So when you look at how we were set up, we could run about eight minutes, and we were tripping the carbon, market, carbon monoxide alarms. Obviously, you can't run a business that way when you're based on throughput and on safety. So one of the things that our are putting in a coffin. Exactly. You're dealing with poisonous gases, you need to take that very seriously. And they were perplexed why their system wasn't working. So I took a I took a Wednesday Wednesday morning, 
and a bunch of drywall. I went out to uh, the local Lowe's store and I bought some acrylic, clear acrylic, mm -hmm. and I built a 1/30th scale model of the building. Mm -hmm. And I modeled the ventilation using PC fans, so I hot wired from my IT days, mm -hmm. I hot wired three PC fans together, uh, a couple of power supplies, and built a scale model of the, of the building. Nine o'clock on a Wednesday morning, I had this ready to go, and I did it to scale. Filled the model with smoke, mm -hmm. and I could make my model work exactly as the building was working, and I could make the model, model work the way that the system was designed. The engineer said to me that I've never had a customer that's actually done a Mythbusters segment in my life mm -hmm. to be able to replicate what we're doing and show me scientifically how wrong I am. Mm -hmm. So that spawned when he saw that I was actually able to create the, the appropriate with the, with the smoke and we had a clear top on the, the model building mm -hmm. that I could make the ventilation work as it's supposed to work and I could also make it work the way it was working. When they put a mathematical scale on it, I had it figured out exactly they have valves problems. Uh, using that, um, what I thought I had to do with that week was a crash course in how air movement works, mm -hmm. and then taking, very simplistically, a 130th scale rendering of the building was able to then show, okay, not only do I understand what you need to do, I understand what I need to do, and time is definitely of the essence here. They really stepped up and they figured out what their problem was. Really what they had done was they were creating a cyclone in the building, if you can imagine the force of the air moving past the exhaust fans, it was moving too fast to make a right-hand turn and go out of the building. Uh, and they needed my model to be able to see that. So um, the, they were shaking their head, and even to this day, they joke about it, that I'm their Mythbusters customer because that's, a, that's how Mythbusters would approach that. One of my favorite shows, they'll sure. make that in many times. And they'll build that scale model before they attempt reality. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Joe, what motivates you to make tough decisions? You know, I think a, a balance, a balance of what's right, and I'm a big believer in open and honest communications with customers, mm -hmm. with suppliers, with employees, and I, and I also believe that when they understand, when people understand your perspective, um, and if they you can balance it against here's why, um, that become those difficult decisions or discussions actually become very easy because you can build that perspective and say, well, I'm doing it on what's right. And you may have to ask whose perspective of right. Is it the customer's perspective of right? Is it the employee's perspective of right? Is it the company's perspective of right? Uh, and a, a great example of this, we have an employee not long ago broke one of our cardinal sins. Every, every business has some cardinal sin, but it's a safety violation. Mm -hmm. And his message to us when we explained what happened, he, he said, you know, I would actually be disappointed if you didn't fire me today, mm -hmm. which that was the consequence that he did lose his job. But he left with a very positive, a very referenceable. He made a mistake. Unfortunately, it was a mistake that he couldn't afford to make from a safety perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. that's true. Uh, the uh, there are key components to growth, uh, usually revolving around these three: people, process, and strategy. Can you talk about each one of those and tell us which one you think is most important in your case? You know, I, I think. When you look at those three elements, I don't know that I could necessarily say one is more important than the other. If you look at people, certainly when you build a, a customer-based business, if, you know, the customer experience is really what drives. If you don't have the right people in place to be able to reinforce that, that's a miss. You know, if you have the people that are sitting reading a book instead of reading customers, uh, those kind of things people, people notice. You know, mm -hmm. folks, in our case, if we have groups of track workers standing around and not looking engaged. People notice they're in a fishbowl. They see that. 
I think when you look at process, one of the things that sets us apart is the fact that we've taken time to document everything we do. The state inspectors, when they come in, were, were subject to a, an annual state inspection. Mm -hmm. And when they come in, the last inspection, we had no infractions and no warnings, and we received very high praise for our level of documentation and process. If, if there's something we do, it's documented and it's shared, so cashiers have a training manual, the track workers have a training, and we, we constantly reinforce the important messages. Also, when you look at strategy, if you don't have a direction, if you don't have a vision, it's very hard to be able to impart where you want to go with your people. So that, to me, all three of those elements uh, are really key, and I think there's a balance that has to be made for a successful business to grow. Mm -hmm. So uh, as a guy coming out of uh, 16 years of Synthos, does everyone at uh, Full Throttle wear a uniform? They do. Yeah, that's um, one of the things that's in As a matter of fact, we're actually going to name tags because we don't want to have the customer interaction look like that, that tall blonde guy or the, the girl at the counter with a nice smile and brown hair or whatever. We want to know the folks have names. But everybody does wear. Uh, they're identified as a Full Throttle employee. We actually sell T-shirts and those kind of things. We stay mm -hmm. away from the manager's colors and the employee colors when we pull. So you can, you can order a shirt from us in gray or black. The crew wears red. So even mm -hmm. though our base color is red, you won't see customer things in red because they look like an employee. So mm -hmm. we, we actually try to, we try to make sure that it's very clear who are the employees, who are the crew members. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the real changes uh, you think you might have to implement to ensure a long-term success? Part of the thing we're working on is um, avoiding capital surprises. So if you look at cart damage as an example, mm -hmm. um, they, they can be very expensive to repair a cart. We've made some changes in the cart design to try to build some resiliency in, but still maintain the manufacturer's integrity. That to me is um, something because it affects everything you do. Have you lost any cars since the beginning? We've actually lost some engines, and we've had some repairs that have been necessary. Everything we've had so far has been repairable. We've had some uh, engines that have had some failures. Um, we've had two that we would, we would consider manufacturers defects. They failed very early in their life, mm -hmm. and they really weren't under strain. Uh, unfortunately, the engine manufacturer um, indicated to us that once they'd been cracked open by somebody who wasn't a certified technician, uh, all warranty claims were null and void. So we, didn't, uh, we learned that lesson the hard way, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's probably the biggest thing is when you go through and look at what's, this what's an engine worth on GoCar. Well, numbers uh, seven hundred bucks. Okay. So, but it's the, the 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 bigger thing is the potential loss of revenue to have it out of service for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. Because we're really limited to if you, if you look at the map, we can do about sixty people an hour through the building. Mm -hmm. So if you start taking away capacity by having go carts down, you affect your ability to be able to serve the customer, and then you generate wait times. So people come in and say, if there's a group of folks that are coming in to race. If I'm running fewer go-karts than I than I'm expect for, um, what happens is it takes longer to get through the track. So yeah. we have spare engines. We have spare go-karts actually, and we do keep some spare engines on on hand. So um, it takes uh, it takes a day or two for a mechanic to go through and actually get it fully operational from the crate motor all the way back to the motor. Oh, okay. So it's not exactly it. Well, not just not just four bolts and go, right? Okay, that's good. I think we have time, uh, perhaps for uh, one more question. And uh, this is an opinion question for you, uh, Joe. How effective do you think your company has been in achieving its goals over the first few years? Um, well, when it comes to opinions, I've got so uh, I think we've, we've done um, a pretty solid job of reaching the goals. And the 
look, we've got a small group of investors, and the feedback from those investors when you look at our forecast and our plan mm-hmm. compared to our actual performance, uh, those numbers line right up in terms of the number of folks we expect to see, uh, the retention we expected to see, where the customers are coming from. Those uh, those numbers line uh, almost perfectly. And, maybe, and then maybe this is luck or we're just that good. I don't know, but our first year, we did an average revenue per customer, and we missed that by three cents. By three cents. So that was our, that was our, again, could have been planning, it could have been lucky, don't know. So thanks for being on the show. I'm giving you a copy of the Sandler 49 Rules book by Dave Matson. Uh, that book is going to be number one on the Amazon bestseller list. And uh, from the Wall Street journalist, decided to find a Sandler training calendar and a free pass for some of our 40 hours a month of training. Very good. Mike, thank you very much. Hey, thanks for coming. And Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. From the broadcast perspective, doesn't matter.